Sleeper's Podcast Tuesday, February 20th. Thank you for joining this bum-ass podcast. Carter, how are you? I'm doing good, fatty. How you doing? <laughs> uh, now that we've gotten that off our chest, uh, nice slipper flip. I would I, just... I could, I, honestly, I couldn't <laughs> flip it. I, as you, as people might have noticed who are watching this on YouTube, I had to shift upstairs to the kitchen. One, because I'm cooking up some heat for this episode. Two, I like to eat because I'm fat. And three, uh, my, my dog's a little under the weather, and he needs someone by his side. So I'm 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 holding down for my pup right now uh, by his side. So sorry for the the change of scenery. Those who are missing the stairs that are in my mother's basement, my apologize. I'm in my kitchen. Yeah, your energy's insane. Apparently, you didn't sleep much last night. Uh, Pierre King P himself uh, was well, you put him on the 14 day IR, I believe, a couple nights ago. Uh, I would say some some setbacks, nothing nothing critical at this point, but some setbacks. So uh, obviously thoughts and prayers and well wishes are with Pierre and Pierre's family. Big cart, big Meg. Uh, should probably shouldn't call Meg big Meg. Meant to say Queen Meg. That's on me. I apologize. The Coleman Hawkins <laughs> stuff got in my head. Is bad. It's not good, man. Big Meg is crazy. You man. know, actually, my wife, she's going to hate me for this. Uh, her whole family calls her Big Mal. And her first email account was TheBigMal at AOL.com. That's also very crazy. Yeah, it's not great. Not great. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we, we don't condone body shaming. Actually, on that note, I want to make this official. Uh, I'm going to go about the rest of this week. I'm going to try something. This is actually serious. It's going to sound like it's not, but it's serious. I'm going to try to genuinely be pretty positive and not criticize people just to criticize them. So I'm going to try to do. Okay. But at the same time, do you ever actually set out to just criticize people or do you just, I don't think so, but I think like there was a noticeable switch, I would say in like the last 10 days, somewhere along the way where like, I don't know, just, I, I feel like I found myself getting too involved in what people are saying about us or things we said that made people upset and just had too many different fan bases that felt like we were coming after them for a certain reason. And it kind of like, I tried to self-reflect about it over the weekend a little bit and normally pretty good at not letting that stuff get to us. Just keep it moving, keep it lighthearted, whatever. Uh, But I think like had the realization or maybe the revelation that like, the whole intent and the whole desire of doing all of this is to provide college basketball fans with something they enjoy listening to that enhances their experience of watching the sport that they love. And somewhere along the way, I feel like I've done a personal bad job at that in the last couple of weeks um, through my actions on the show. So I'm going to try and take a much more positive approach this week and hopefully enhance what people's viewing experience of college basketball is. Okay. Uh, might be off to a rough start called both our wives big, um, but we can yeah. bounce back. It's okay. You're right. <sighs> can we restart the show? No. Let's restart the show. Sleepers Podcast, February 20th. Thanks for joining us. Card, how are you? Hello, is someone there? Thank you for life. I love my life. Do you have a YouTube comment of the day to kick us off with? I do have a YouTube comment of the day. Let me go ahead and whip that out really quickly here. Pause. You know, a lot of choices here, but I think I'm going to go. Can I get a fact check for you on this YouTube comment? Sure. Because it's said with a lot of confidence, but there's no way that is true. Uh, for what it's worth, UConn is 0 for 20 on the road against AP top 25 opponents over the last 10 years. Mm. There's no yeah, way that's true. Let's do a little fact check here. Uh, I'm going to go through Ken Palm, which could be wrong. Uh, they said versus top 25. Yeah. In the la- last 10 years. UConn is 0 and 20. Against top 25 opponents. 0-20 on the road against AP top 25 teams over the last 10 years. I'm looking through this right now. They beat Villanova this year, but Villanova wasn't ranked. They lost at Kansas, so that's legit. Go back to last year. 
They lost to Xavier. They lost to Marquette, both top 25. They lost to Creighton, top 25. They did not beat a team. All right, we're up to four. How about 2022? They lost to Villanova. We're up to five to 2021. Lost to Creighton. Lost to Villanova. We're up to seven. We're back to 2020. Lost to Villanova. Lost to Houston. We're up to nine. Card, do I need to keep going back? <laughs> I think I think we might need to just take this photo worth. And a uh, shout out to Ryan Garwood. I believe Ryan is actually in our Discord, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, he he provided that comment 20 minutes mm. ago. As a matter of fact, that is a that's actually a crazy stat. Yeah, that is an insane stat. Um, huh. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. It's going to make me really think about things for daily picks tomorrow. Yeah, that that has me in a mental tizzy. UConn's been like awesome too. Like, how have they not gotten any of those? Yeah, like what? Do all teams lose on the road like that? Is it is that just what it is? It might just be what it is. Well, also UConn could put this to bed by just winning at Creighton this week. I think I might need to pick Creighton now. I love I love numbers like that. Like any yeah. sort of trend number, I love numbers like that. It is. I mean, that would explain why I think the spread is at two. Is that what it opened up at? Ken Palm has it by two. We'll see. Uh, go watch the preview for UConn Creighton. It's up on the channel right now. Let's get to comments from the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, the link is in the description of this video. Join on a desktop or a laptop, not on mobile. Had somebody ask us a couple days ago, uh, if you try to join on mobile, Discord jacks the price up for some reason. We don't know why that is, but there's nothing we can do about it. So it'll be uh, $13 if you try to join on your phone. It's $10 if you try to join on a computer. You can sign up on a computer, enter the payment info once, and then you can download it on your phone and never touch your computer again. That's what I did. Uh, let's get to the comments. From Coop, who are the current front runners for the Kelly Staffy Award? Purdue fans, when you said Gillis didn't matter. Marquette fans, when you said Kolick needed to play better. Illinois fans when you said Hawkins isn't a champion or the anti-Purdue college basketball fans that lost their minds when you said Edie was the best college basketball player ever. Uh, actually, the person who just became a front runner for this is going to be talked about later in this episode, so I don't want to ruin it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, we'll stay on that. Uh, thanks, Coop, though, for summarizing the self-reflection I had to do at the beginning of this episode. All those things happened like in the last seven days. And uh, I think I really hurt a lot of people's feelings onward. Travis Nelson says, as of Tuesday morning's podcast, that's 10 years to the day of MSU's last win at Mackey arena. I have no expectations to win there coming up, but that could be the biggest Michigan state win since Duke 2019. Probably it would also throw a huge loop in the big 10 race and could send the Spartans on a program changing course. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, it was so long ago. I couldn't even describe to you. And I'm, I'm, for someone who I consider, I consider myself a pretty good, solid ball knower. Historically, I have a hard time remembering like game by game. Like you're great at that. Like I feel like I could ask you about a game in 2015 on a snowy Tuesday, and you know who won the 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 jump ball and know like when the seven zero run came. I personally can't even remember what that game looked like that we won in Mackey. So. Uh, you know, to answer, to comment on Trav's statement, yeah, that would be a monumental uh, win for Michigan State. But I will say this. Let's not put too much stock into this because I don't like the energy that we're coming with. Like, we're not Michigan State and, like, we can't go into Mackey and get a win. I don't like that. It makes it makes, it makes me feel like we're just, like, a, a, a trash program. For the record, Purdue Boiler 83 says he is very concerned about that game. They just got cooked by Thornton in battle. Walker and Akins could have a field day. I do think like MSU's guards are a good matchup for the type of teams that can expose Zach Eady's drop coverage. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Purdue should win that game because Purdue should win every game in Mackey, at least this season yeah. they have Zach Eady. But I am looking forward to that. It would definitely shift things up. Tony says, here is why Purdue sucks in March. Again, I've been watching this stuff longer than many have been alive on here. The NBA playoffs effect is why Purdue starts sucking this time of year. What do I mean by that? It's getting better, but Purdue is actually not a very talented team. 
I would argue that Minnesota, Ohio State, Illinois, and to some extent, even Rutgers has more talent. It's a credit to Paint and the players and that our guys play hard all year starting from day one. This goes back to the Antoine Jobert days at Michigan. Uh, am I pronouncing Antoine Jobert correctly? Yeah, you are. Thought I was. I would argue that a lot of these really talented players sort of jack around until this time of year, then flip the switch like the NBA guys do in the playoffs. I have a lot of thoughts on this. What do you think? I don't think I can. I don't think I can agree with that. I mean, it's just like I, I get like kind of the sentiment he's saying, but it's 82 games. I think the it's not the playoffs that turn NBA guys up. It's the fact that they're playing 82 games and they're NBA players. Yeah. Um we got to define talent is the yeah, thing. I, yeah, I wanted to comment on that. The, uh, this Purdue team is more talented than Rutgers. And Minnesota. And, and Ohio State. And Ohio State. And I, I guess I'll listen to an argument that Illinois is more talented than them, but Illinois is a very good team. Top 10 They're team. more talented than Michigan State. Like, Yeah, I. Uh, there's a difference between NBA talent and college talent. Like, I mean, Jet Howard is – playing in the nba he's on a roster and he was a bad college basketball player like that you don't build winning college basketball teams off of nba talent now i do think like in march it helps to have one to two guys like that for sure you can go back and look most teams have uh at least one pro that ended up winning the championship but like if we were if we were putting every college basketball player on a list from most talented to least talented Zach Eady is at one. And I, of I don't of, of, of the of, Big Ten teams? Of yeah, or just of teams this year, right? Like who's yeah. more talented than Zach Eady? You know, he's a national player of the year. Right. So like and maybe the same people who are mad at me for saying he's the greatest ever will be like, he's not talented, he's just big. But I like he would be a five star. It doesn't matter what he was ranked four years ago. Right now he would be a six star. So yeah. And maybe like Fletcher, okay, four star. Lance, I don't know. Braden Smith, probably a five star right now, based on what he is. Like, and that's a credit to Painter. But no, I don't think there's better teams than Purdue that just like flip a switch and get better than Purdue. Yeah, I agree. Um, scrolling down, Tristan Freeman says, "In honor of Derek, how do you handle beating a friend in fantasy sports? Do you give them some space, annoy them, or just politely tell them that they had no chance to begin with? Need some helpful advice? Do you mind if I take this one since you've never beaten anyone in fantasy sports?" Sure. Uh, it depends on the friend. If you know them really well personally, and you want to annoy them, then you like know what makes them tick, and you annoy them. If you don't want to annoy them, you just let it go. You just you know, maybe work it in once a year or so whenever you need a little trump card. But um, for the most part, it's a friend-by-friend friend basis. You can decide how you want to handle that. Uh, also, like, I came in second in my NFL fantasy football league this year. Is Are, are you looking at the league? Like, you're saying put the league in rice, or do I get my credit there? I'll give you credit in that. I just wish you cared. Like, I, you act like you're incapable of caring about fantasy sports beyond one league. I, I am. I don't like that. So I can't, I can't give you credit for the league I've never been in, you know? Okay, true. true. We, we co-owned a team for two years. We finished last in the league both years. And then I've been in two other fantasy leagues with you. You finished last both times. NBA fantasy is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. It's a, but, it's a job, honestly. But like college basketball fantasy is not that hard. And you're last in our 24-person league in our Discord. Yeah, I haven't checked the lineup since. <laughs> That's not good uh scrolling through this uh there's a long one here from tony that i'm not sure if i'm supposed to read or not it's about the ohio state purdue game but um tag sleepers media if you want us to read it you tagged me and carter individually so i'm gonna ignore this one tony sorry nebraska ball says on your dunk contest talk from today check out william kyle from south dakota state third in the ncaa in dunks this season Saw him in person this weekend, was blown away by his bounce. My question is, would you guys rather have teams like South Dakota State and Iona keep from making the tournament? Uh, keep, Sorry, keep making the tournament from smaller conferences since they may have a better shot at pulling an upset? Or would you rather watch some new blood like Quinnipiac and High Point? Uh, I kind of like new blood. I'm more of a new blood guy. I don't like doing seeing the same thing. Like, I'm kind of over the Ionia, like being the upset team, like the Jackrabbits getting into the tournament and making things happen. Like I, I do like a little bit of new blood uh, infused into it. Yeah, I don't mind uh, either. I, I like whatever teams can make things interesting. Um, if that's the same brands we've seen from Cinderella's in the past couple of years, I'm fine with that. This year specifically, 
I don't think there's much about uh, the two teams you mentioned, South Dakota State or Iona, that I'm longing for over a, a different new surprise Cinderella. Uh, Detroit's coldest says over under two and a half Mountain West teams in the Sweet 16. Under. Quick under for you? Yeah, under. Do you think any get in? I can't shake the feeling that no, I, I do think I do think there is one or two that get in. It's that third that that's not going to do it for me. I just can't shake the feeling that this year is going to be the everyone wants to pick like multiple Mountain West teams to do it, and they just let everyone down. I think they're going to have a good year in the tournament. I can only see two of them making the Sweet Sixteen, though. And I know some people will yell at me for saying Colorado State can't. Um, I've talked about why Nevada could win a couple games. Utah State's a good team. To me, it's San Diego State and New Mexico. Those are the only two teams I could see going deep into the tournament. I don't I don't trust Nico Medved. I don't trust Nevada in general outside of Blackshear. That's really it. Um Utah State, I guess, but I don't I don't know. I'm not they're they're the one I'm selling the most in that conference of the five that are really good. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that. Okay. Uh, Dane game says, can we revisit big 10 coach of the year? Now that Wisconsin is fading, there are a lot of teams with surprise seasons. I think this will be a heck of a race. If a line, I pull off a share of the big 10, I don't see how you can keep Brad Underwood from getting it. Do you agree? Mm. Possibly, but for some reason, the first name, that I, I, why do I feel like now that guards fading a little bit, like Hoiberg could make a late push to get it. That's where I would handicap it. I think uh, we cursed Greg Gard. We said he was a guarantee to win Big Ten Coach of the Year, and then he lost five of six games. So Greg Gard is not going to win Big Ten Coach of the Year. My guess would be that if Nebraska makes the NCAA tournament, Fred Hoiberg is the Big Ten Coach of the Year. And if they have to decide it before the selection Sunday, if they look like they're going to make the tournament, then I think he's in. Uh, If it's not Hoiberg, like if Nebraska collapses down the stretch here, I think it's between Brad Underwood, depending on how they finish. And uh, I could see Chris Collins, like if Northwestern finishes strong, especially without Ty Berry, say they go on a little win streak after losing one of their key players. I would Mm -hmm. think uh, Chris Collins deserves it. And if all else fails, wouldn't we just give it to Painter if he wins this league by like four games? Are we really going to give the Big Ten Coach of the Year to someone who got packed up by Jake Diebler? Maybe it should be Jake Diebler. I don't I'm, know. Hey, hey, don't let Diebler go on a run. You're right. Uh, you're very right. Trent Frazier is GOAT. Says Georgetown and Louisville have less wins combined than Illinois has on the season. Looking back, are you still feeling good if you're Illinois that Sky and Epps walked? Or could a true ball handler be the difference between a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8? Uh, no, I, I think that you don't regret that though, letting those guys walk, uh, to be honest with you. I think the play of Ty has... Um, I think solidified a little bit more security at the point guard position. But if anything, you're more so what if thing hurting that you didn't get like Ray J Dennis, not that Jay Neps and Scott Clark left. I agree completely with cart. I will say, I think the pieces around them this year could have handled a quote unquote bad teammate better. And I'm, I'm not even saying Epps or sky are bad teammates. But last year's team was so chaotic in a variety of ways, largely due to Matthew Meyer, that I don't think like they they just clearly were going to implode if if different personalities got going. Once you got rid of a couple of those guys, Meyer and maybe one of Skyraps, if just one of them was back, I think the team's mature enough this season to handle it. Like I don't Damask would still be mature and good. Gary is a grown man. He'd be good. Uh, Coleman has grown up. He's very mature right now. He'd be good. Terrence Shannon, I think would be fine. Um, I would be less concerned about implosion. And if it was one of the two, I think could help this team the most. I do think it would be sky and not apps. I think, uh, apps, apps just wants to get his shots up. Sky to me still is a very good all around point guard when he plays well. But speaking of that, get well shot sky sky, uh, little injury here down the stretch for yeah. little tough. He'll, he'll quit. Janny Boy Terp says, question between myself and a few Illini fans after Coleman's trolling, but one, would Coleman be considered a glue guy on this team or a lead guy? Like, is he the Draymond of this team or more of a clay? You want to answer that first? Mm, the, the thing is, like, when you put it in the box of Draymond, it the, the thing what Draymond does is Draymond's leading, like, some of the best 
Draymond was a glue guy on some of the best teams in NBA history. Like he was a glue guy for the 72 Warriors, 72 win Warriors. Like that's a 73 win. That's a little bit different than just saying like glue guy. Um, but to me, I, I guess he is the glue guy of this team, but he's like a really, really good glue guy. I don't know. Or or is Gary a the glue guy and Coleman's like the third star? So this whole thing with Coleman started with a Draymond comparison for me for completely different reasons. I don't like the comparison between like Draymond versus Clay's role with this Illinois team just because I think they're completely different team builds. Like it Clay is so clearly like the second best player behind a generational guy. And then you have the third guy who is like the emotional fiery leader because those two guys are quiet. Illinois is completely different. Like there is no like I'm, with all due respect, Terrence Shannon is not comparable to Steph Curry in impact. So for me, I would actually say I consider Coleman the leader of this team. I think uh, at a broad sense, this is Coleman Hawkins team and they're very good. Uh, I think Terrence Shannon leaving for a month in the middle of the season is part of why it is Coleman Hawkins team because Illinois was pretty good without Terrence Shannon when Coleman Hawkins kind of took on a more serious role. So he's very good. They have three stars, in my opinion, between Shannon Coleman and Damask. I would say Coleman is the leader. Uh, I don't know where that leaves him in your in your question here, but he's very, very important. Uh, and then who is more important on this roster for an Illinois tourney run, Coleman, Terrence Shannon, or Damask? Uh, I'm not going to overthink this. I think Shannon is. That's where I'm at, too. Um largely because I think you're going to get Coleman every game doing Coleman stuff. Like mm -hmm. that's, I don't think there's a lot of variation at this point between like which version of Coleman's going to show up. I do think there is variation on which version of Terrence Shannon shows up and uh, to win a national championship, you need superstar Terrence Shannon. Dylan Terpstra says, where is Kanye Clary playing next year? We're going to do a whole segment on that on the show today. So we'll save our thoughts for that. And then the final question here is from Guy, who says, I'm dead serious. I had a dream that Will Wade was hired by Memphis. Is this a problem? Not the Will Wade to Memphis, but that I spent so much time thinking about college basketball that it has invaded my subconscious. Uh, are either of you experts on Sigmund Freud or Carl Jung? Do I need to seek medical help? Why am I dreaming about this? No, you're fine, Guy. This is These are your formative college basketball years, and dreaming about situations like that is something that occurs. Yeah. When I was 17 years old, I was dreaming about Blake Griffin posterizing Zach Novak. It was more of a nightmare, but it hurt. Yeah. I mean, I, there's many, there's many of times that I, I pictured Raymar Morgan winning that game in the final four and lifting a trophy above his head. I had a few different Chris Douglas Roberts dreams in my teens. Not going like to lie. About him, about him like going to Michigan or like him just hooping. I'll keep to myself. You want to get okay. to the show? Uh, I think so. Yeah, let's get to the show. Uh, okay. Should be a fun show. Three three good segments today. I'm excited for this. Let's start with the segment that I said we were going to start with. Kanye Clary is out from Penn State. That news dropped today. Uh, I think this had been sort of speculated. Trilly had a tweet a couple days ago at the end of last week that was like, short Big Ten point guards and schoolwork. And everybody was like, whoa, what does this mean? Well, it meant Kanye Clary is no longer with the Penn State basketball program. Uh, Mike Rhodes, after a Penn State game at the end of last week, hit the podium and said that Kanye Clary did not travel with Penn State to the game. That seemed ominous. Now it officially comes out that he is not with the team. It is highly speculated. This is due to academics. I haven't seen anybody reputable confirm this. But that is the rumor. We don't want to play are the rumors true. We're just going to run with the fact that Clary is no longer with Penn State. Uh, what does this mean to Penn State? And should they have suspended him six away games only? Yeah, I, you know what? The, the the Michigan way was out there to, to formulate this, but they just didn't want to take it. I mean, when you think about it, Michigan are really trailblazers. That's a great suspension. If, if this team was better... And they could have made it like that. He just misses away games against not good teams. Everyone would be singing their praises. But uh, just without looking on what are the reasons why Kanye Clary is not uh, part of Penn State's basketball team anymore, let's just kind of move forward with it. Also, 
I uh I was sent some Facebook posts, I believe it was, of family members of Kanye Clary basically sending shots at Mike Rhodes for his treatment of Kanye, by the way, too. So that's just, you know, you, you I think in today's day and age, we know how family members uh tend to defend their own, which they should. Uh, but you know, that's just something to keep in the back of your mind as well. Uh, without looking as far as what the reasons are, the easy thing you could see is like, okay, Kanye Clary could go back and play with Shrews. Like he can go to Notre Dame, he can play with Shrews. They mm. just need they just need guys. Kanye Clary also really really good. Where, where, before we get into this, actually, where do you stand on Kanye Clary as a player? Is he just like a empty stats type guy? Because I don't consider him that. I consider him actually like I think he's a a dog. Honestly, he's a hooper. I think he's awesome. Uh, I do. And I'm, I'm wondering if I missed something because a friend of the show, Graham couch and I were exchanging messages a couple days ago before the Penn state, Michigan state game. And, uh, I had picked Michigan state to cover that game. I ended up being correct. Clary didn't play a big part of my reasoning was, Hey, Clary's out. I think that hurts Penn state big. And couch had messaged me and was like, Hey, I, I did a lot of research on this. I actually think Penn state's been better since Clary was out. They did win the first two games without him. They went on the road and beat Rutgers and Indiana without Clary. So for a limited time, it looked like Penn state had turned a corner. Ace Baldwin was playing better without Clary. Uh, now as time has gone on, I don't know if it is true or is not. Um, Penn state wasn't really going anywhere this season. Anyway, they lost a bunch of games. They lost five straight games in the non-conference. So uh, this is not a good basketball team. It was not good with Clary. It's not good without Clary. I liked Clary's game from what I saw this season. Like I, I thought when Penn state was playing well in January and at the end of December, Clary was their best player. Like you go through the games, 20 points, 29 points, 21 points, 25 points, 27 points in back to back to back to back to back five out of seven games. He's awesome. He, he made 10 out of 10 free throws in two of those games. Uh, just an elite scorer. Now he also wasn't doing a ton to create for others and he doesn't really do much defensively in my opinion. So you're kind of left in a spot. I know it's easy to make the comp like, Ooh, small scoring guard. This essentially is Doug McDaniel, right? This is, this is a losing player who can get you 20 any given night where if he's your first option, you're probably a pretty bad basketball team. And there's a lot of guys like that in college basketball where they leave a program where it didn't work out and they either seek out another spot where they can be the best player on a bad basketball team or they go down a level and dominate or they go up a level and take a smaller role. I don't know. I think Clary could do all three. I do. I think if Clary were to go to Notre Dame, I think they'd be a bad basketball team if Clary's the best player on the team. And Notre Dame's bad this year. I still believe in Shrews. I think he's he's doing great things. They're gonna be fine. But I like if he added Clary, it's not like wow, what a what an impact move for Notre Dame for me. Yeah. Also, I think that Shrews is a culture and winner guy. Um, and you know, as much as he you know he did coach Clary, but he also might notice like oh, maybe that's not a guy we want to establish this. I kind of left that in Penn State you know, for a reason. Uh, Kanye Cleary to Butler. <laughs> Why is <laughs> Butler always the first? Every, anybody that answers the, uh, enters the portal, I just want to look at Butler first and then we'll assess options. Now I do like wherever he ends up, I'm going to talk myself back into Clary because he was really fun. It's honestly very similar to uh, whatever happens with Doug. I'm going to talk myself back into Doug. And there's actually a rumor Doug uh, apparently – may have expressed interest in going to Georgetown. So we we threw that out as a destination a while ago and seems like that could be a legitimate option. Again, I'm sure how how is Jay Neps going to like Doug McDaniel there? There's also rumors that Judah Mintz might go to Georgetown. So let's see how many basketballs can Georgetown play a game with? That would be fun. Uh but for me no, I I still believe Clary can be very good. I'm excited to see where his next stop goes. And my guess would be he goes somewhere that's probably still a bad basketball team. And he scores 15, 16 points a game for him. I also just want to say Penn State was like our favorite team ever. They were our honorary Big Ten team last year. Although we had a lot of honorary Big Ten teams last year. We loved Boo Booey and Northwestern as we still do. We loved Seth Lundy and Jalen Pickett and Booty Ball and just hit and hit and hit. I loved it. Kanye Clary was on that team and played like a lot of minutes in conference play. I don't remember him at all on that team. I actually do remember him. He was just like a, he was like a, a, a just a, a bench spark plug. I think my brain 
has massive issues with it right now. I'm just like really forgetting things I should remember about Big Ten basketball. That's not like me. That is, that's very unlike you. But yeah, I, I think that at the end of the day, this is going to, you're not going to see Kanye Cleary go to like a top 10 team in the AP poll next year. Like it's, it's more than likely he's, I don't know, at, at Louisville or something like that. Where is Kanye Clary from? Let's put you to the test. Ooh, I actually think he's from Pennsylvania. Incorrect. Close-ish. You want another guess? New York? Here's a hint. I have family from here. But I don't think you know I have family from here. Uh, No, I do know. Yep. Milwaukee. I don't have family in Milwaukee. Uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Virginia Beach, great, great place to live, by the way. We we vacationed there a couple times. Awesome. Wow. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, where is he playing next year? Let's put our official predictions in. Virginia Tech. I don't hate that. How about VCU? <laughs> Mike Rowe's old team? <laughs> How about VCU? And for the record, I think, uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not with the fact that Rhodes is probably not talking him up right now, but uh zeb jackson guy that kind of flamed out of the big time went to vcu looked pretty good if if zeb can look good at vcu kanye clary could be like a 10 player of the year is zeb jackson still at vcu yes yeah damn what do you think an official list looks like for clary though like what's his final three four five notre dame for sure notre dame for sure one team that he has no chance of going to like north carolina it's going to be in there but like they don't want him but it's going to be in the list West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Butler. Seton Hall, St. John's. I would throw those in. Like East, East Coast, East Coast guard-oriented schools. Hmm. East Coast. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And you're sticking with your Virginia Tech pick? Yes. I need to scrap my VCU pick because you called it out. Rhodes isn't going to recommend him. I'm... I'm going to go St. John's. What about, okay, can I throw another one? Yeah. <laughs> Rhode Island. I think Clary will go bigger than that. Okay, so you think he's going power five still, like no A-10 mid-major? I think he could go A-10 mid-major, but I just, for whatever reason, I don't view Rhode Island as as big as like a VCU. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to everyone who assumes this is academic issues. There have been some very witty and funny chuckle-worthy puns based off like Kanye and graduation, Kanye West graduation album, you know, things like that, late registration. Uh, I got a, I got a little chuckle out of those jokes. I do want it known. So the two games that Clary missed to start the time he missed were both away games. I think that maybe behind the scenes, Mike Rhodes was like holding out to actually pull the Doug McDaniel thing and like, just keep it under wraps. But then he played 14 minutes at Northwestern and then the news came out. So I don't know. I so just something weird was going on there. Best of luck, Kanye. Who handled this better, Mike Rhodes or Jawan Howard? Mike Rhodes. Are we sure? Yes. Is it weird to say that I think Jawan might have handled this better? If that's the case, then Mike Rhodes might be on the hot seat. <laughs> I mean, Clary's not even with the team, and there was no communication on what happened. Just like, uh, yeah, he didn't travel with us. And then he's off the team a day later. Like, at least at least with Doug, it's like, this is going on, and he's suspended, and he's still part of the team. Like, huh? I wish, I wish they would have just kept that to themselves. Maybe. Do you think it would have been better for them to just cut Doug the way they cut Clary rather than? No, I would have just, I would have lied. I would have, I would have incorporated <laughs> a bit more lying. Okay, understood. Like, Doug not feeling well, um, stomach, you know, every single away game, stomach bug, flu, Family member not doing so well, nagging Achilles injury, uh, a mental health break game, and then like just bring it back. We did do uh, like our, uh, what's it called? The All-Star Weekend. We were like, if college basketball had an All-Star Weekend, what would the events be? Uh, shot to, I forget who this was in the comment section, but said we need to see Kanye, Clary, Doug McDaniel, like multiplication tables, speed round. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> multiplication tables are hard. You and I doing that against each other would be fun. Yeah, I mean, like, us just cooking up Y equals MC squared. Like, great, glad we use that. I think we'd be way worse than any college basketball player at that, for the record. Oh, well, uh, also, my, 
my, my high school teachers lied to me, by the way. Yeah, well, the, the teachers have to lie. But, like, they told me I would use this stuff. Yeah, they lied. When's the last time you wrote in cursive besides signing your name? I don't even sign my name in cursive. Your signature isn't in cursive? My signature's a huge G. That's it. <laughs> Literally. It's a, it's a big-ass G. I'll show you in Baltimore this weekend. And also, uh, in college at the bars, I would sign my name every time I got drunk as Trey Burke with a little three next to it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I did that for two years. It Was was, it, was, Trey, was Trey Burke in cursive? No. Because <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't be able to see it. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, let's move on. Uh, Rick Pitino had some pointed things to say about his roster after the latest St. John's loss. Uh, this is a team that is in free fall, I would say. Um, a team that at the beginning of the season I did feel like showed promise. Certainly felt like they could win a lot of games. Well, now they're 14 and 12. Card, they have lost eight of their last 10 games in Big East play. Their only wins are at home over Kyle Neptune and at home over DePaul. That is not good whatsoever. Uh, Rick Pitino has decided that he wants to talk about his roster and his players in specific. Uh, now, let's just set in the table. Ricky P was always a entertaining post-game guy. I, I think that's good for the sport. I think we, as media members, I have a hard time criticizing it, no matter what he says, because I don't like when coaches give coach speak answers. My coach does that. I want to hear personality. I want to hear their actual thoughts, their honesty. So if this is his honest thoughts, maybe he could do it a different way, but I, I don't want to come on here and say he shouldn't be saying this because I'd rather have this than nothing from Rick Pitino. This is also the Rick Pitino who said that when he loses a game, he wants to die. He wants to jump in a frozen lake earlier this year. So take that with a grain of salt. Some of Patino's comments specifically after this game. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm just getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown can definitely beat us. Do we have shitty facilities? Yes, we do. But we're doing something about that. Uh, it's not the job. You could be at Missouri and recruit slow players. Believe me, it's not St. John's. We had to put together a team at the last second. We will never, ever do that again. After I spent the summer with them, I knew it was going to be a difficult year. I knew it. I'm hoping we could finish over 500 for the season. Look, Joel's slow laterally. He's not fast on the court. He's talking about Joel Soriano. Chris Ledlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway's slow laterally. Brady's physically weak. That's Brady Dunlap. Drissa is so slow laterally. Or sorry, did not say so. Drissa is slow laterally. I really took on the character of Ripetino there. I got excited. Uh, what do you make of all of these comments? Should he be doing this? How do you feel? No, you you can't. You just you can't do this. I I understand. And I, I feel the same way about you. Like I'm all for like coaches ditching the coach speak. The uh, yeah, that's great to hear. You don't actually feel that way about every single player on your team. But if you are a transfer, if you're a high school recruit, you're not watching this and seeing this and be like, I want to play for that dude who cooks his team in his post game presser. Not personally personally like honestly personally attacking each player in the post-game presser um without the whole time in my opinion taking responsibility for the fact that he he did that he built that roster he didn't bring AJ store back he didn't do certain things that were you know that, like he needs to I don't think he's taken enough responsibility for his part in it um and like I said, I'm all for coaches being truthful, but you, you talk about your coach in this situation, Juwan. Like the one thing that annoys you with him is that he doesn't go above and beyond. He doesn't put on the face for the fundraisers. He doesn't put on the face to show up at golf outings and things like that. Uh, because recruits, parents, families, they see that kind of thing. If a family, if I had a child and I saw them and I was sending them to a college and saw what Rick said about his players before, I wouldn't feel comfortable about sending my child there, to be honest with you. Actually, maybe I would because I'm all for belittling my own seed uh, in order for greatness. But I don't know. I, I, I just think it's a bad look overall, um, even if it's one true uh, and two, some might appreciate his honesty. I'm surprised that that's your opinion here. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with any of it, but I'm just kind of surprised that's your opinion here. 
I mean, like, I do I have I ever wanted to spit in a client's face and backhand them? A thousand percent. But I know it's bad for business if I do so. Like, do I want to call people out in in inner company meetings sometimes? Yeah, but it's also like if I know it's gonna break up the team, it's bad for business, big picture things. I understand. Uh, to me, Patino is ruining big picture things for the St. John's program right now. I mean, the the only counter, not not even a counter, but the only note I have on this is like he claims he knew in the offseason it was going to be this bad. He made a lot of public facing quotes in the offseason that do not imply he felt that way. So like you can go on record. And he's talking about how great of a job his staff did putting this roster together. And he likes a lot of the pieces. So something is flipped here. That's my struggle is it feels inconsistent. But I don't know. The spin zone here is like if Rick is actually done with this roster, like put yourself in his shoes for a second. If he knows he doesn't want any of these players next season, does it matter that he's burning the bridges? Like if you're – let's just use the name we just talked about. If you're Kanye Clary – you're telling me if you get a text from Rick Pitino, you're really like, why would I want to play for you? You just burned Brady Dunlap. What, like, Couldn't the spin be like, Kanye, you're so much better than my 15 players right now. Come save us. Okay, I guess I never looked at it like that. I mean, you might, but could you wait? I mean, I guess burning the bridge now and burning at the end of the season doesn't really matter, right? I mean, I think it's a bad look. Don't get me wrong. But like, is he wrong? Oh, uh, no, he's not. That would be my only thing. I, I feel like sometimes there are coaches who do things like this that are delusional and incorrect. I think Rick Pitino's correct. Like I I agree with him on the criticisms he he said about these players. Do I think he should say them? Not necessarily. Would I say them? No. If I'm in that position, I wouldn't. He can't roll this roster back. I think none of these guys are going to be on the roster anyway. Yeah, I know. But one last thing on this. Uh, let's, let's, let's see how I want to refrain a coach recruits me. He knows I wear a headband. I've always wore a headband. That's what I do. I wear headbands all the time. He recruits me. I wear a headband the whole time I'm at St. John's because when he recruited me, he knows I wear headbands. Then he goes in the press conference and cooks me and says that headband wearing, that's all he cares about is wearing headbands. That's all he's about is headband this, headband that. My brother in Christ, when you recruited me, you knew I was, that, that's what came with the package. So it's like, he's getting mad that he bought an assortment of fruit and he knew that grapes were in there and then gets pissed when grapes are in there. But yeah, but counterpoint, what if Rick thought he was signing up for someone who just had a good day or had some good stuff on tape that looked different. And then all of a sudden to your point, like, okay, yeah, maybe I thought you were going to wear a headband. Did I know you were going to do a slipper flip every day? Did I know that was going to happen? But here we are two months later and every day is a slipper flip. And every day I have to hit the podium on this podcast and take responsibility for Carter's slipper flip that is not there when I recruited him for the sleepers podcast. Okay. You're being the right there. But we're also, okay. We, <laughs> Chris Ledlam has been slow laterally his, laterally his whole life. You knew it. You knew that he was. Yeah. So like, what, you might not yeah. know he was this slow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've gone too far. I can't defend Rick Pitino anymore, man. You know how hard it is for me sit here and look you in the eyes and say, I understand Rick Pitino. Yeah. You know what? He's always good in my book though, because he went toe to toe and look, he looked Kyle Neptune in the eyes and, and beat that man. So he's good in my book. He's good for the game. No matter what, uh, end of the day, it was a very entertaining press conference. I, I didn't enjoy any other press conference this week more than that one. Although Cal tried to make it close, McCronin too, but um. you got to respect how Ricky P covered every single base too. Like all of a sudden, like people are watching that, like probably facility members are cleaning up the shitty facilities. He's talking about, he's like, man, they're really letting Ledlam have it today. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, and our and our facilities and everyone who works there are shitty too. And they're like, hey, <laughs> just catching strays. That's really good. It's a really good point. Didn't think of it. Okay, let's end the show with this. Uh, we're going back to the new game we rolled out yesterday. We already did this exercise for both Purdue and Illinois. Now we want to move to your team, Michigan State. I want to dream up their perfect path in the NCAA tournament. What would be a draw where when the bracket is released, we're looking at this draw and we're saying, wow, Michigan State got a great draw. Let's pick them to the final four. They are currently an eight seed on the bracket matrix. 
They are the top eight seed on the bracket matrix. So with a couple more wins, they could certainly move up to the seven line, maybe even the six line. But for today's purposes, we're rocking with what we have as of Monday, February 19th. Michigan State is an eight seed. That means that in the first round of the NCAA tournament, they would play one of four nine seeds. Washington State, Virginia, New Mexico, or Texas A&M. Which of those four would be the best draw for Michigan State? Hmm. You know, my initial reaction is Washington State just because they don't strike much fear in me and I don't believe in the Pac-12. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I, I'm just I, – I think Virginia's just not good. So I think I, I think I might pick – I think I'm sticking Washington State, but if you told me that I should pick Virginia, I wouldn't be mad at you. But I think I'm picking Washington State. Uh, I'm looking at a couple things here. Uh, I believe on paper – I'm scrolling through Kempom pages as I do this. I believe all of these teams have pretty good three-point defenses, except Texas A&M. Texas A&M does not. Uh, I would want a team that maybe leaves Michigan State open from the perimeter a little bit. The only thing with A&M is they are awesome at offensive rebounding. Michigan State has not been a great rebounding team. So I don't know if A&M leaving open shooters open cancels out their rebounding advantage. I'm going to trust my gut on this, and my answer would be New Mexico, but I think you get to overrule me on any of this because they're your team. Here's my pitch on New Mexico. Yeah, talk to me on it. Aren't they essentially just a watered-down version of Michigan State? Like, ooh, three small guards. Are their three small guards better than Michigan State's three small guards? I don't know that I think they are. Is Richard Pitino one-on-one with Tom Izzo in a single elimination game setting? Is that a matchup that scares me? No, it's not. Uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't think New Mexico has a front court guy who's going to crush you. It would come down to can their guards outplay Tyson Walker, and I don't think they could. Toppin is good, but he also is a true freshman. Like, that's that's a lot. Uh, you know what? I think you might have uh, – Donovan Dent just scares me. <laughs> I know I'm being soft about it, but it, it is a watered-down version. Uh, when you put it like that, I think I actually will go with you. Um, especially because also, um, Washington state has like a four man who's like a four five, who's like very dynamic, like can shoot it inside outside type guy that scares me. Um, I, I, okay. I think I'll go to New Mexico. I think Washington state would be a good draw too, for the record, but just looking through, like they've lost just one game in their last 11. It was an overtime on the road at Cal. They beat Arizona in that span. I know they have to go to Arizona again, but like just results wise, I'm impressed with what Washington state has done. And I don't think like Washington state's statistical profile doesn't seem to map with Michigan state's strengths necessarily the same way I think New Mexico's would. So, all right, let's lock in New Mexico. New Mexico is the first round draw win. You beat New Mexico. Now you get a one seed. You can't get Purdue in the second round. I don't believe you could get UConn, you could get Houston, or you could get Arizona. Obviously, all three of these are very difficult matchups. Which one would be the ideal draw? Arizona. I think Arizona would be. I think, one, we played them before. The familiarity, I think, would help us out uh, going off the earlier year. Um, you know, they let us hang around in that basketball game. There was a chance for us to win that basketball game. And um, I also... I'm not saying that we can slow them down, but I do believe in Michigan State's defense. Um, and I think it could do some things to slow them down. I know that Balo is probably an issue for you or what you're going to say is a rebuttal to this down low, but I, I don't want to see Houston. Um, I just, I don't think that, I think they could stifle teams that are awful in the half court. And right now I think Michigan State's, I think they're a bad half court team. So I don't want to get in that situation with Houston. I don't want to see UConn. So if I had to pick one, can't see Purdue, possibly by elimination, I want Arizona. So you, uh, I know that I'm not going to be able to talk you into this. I know I'm not going to be able to talk you into this. You would never choose UConn. You can't choose Purdue. So it's either Houston or Arizona. My belief is that Houston would be a better draw for Michigan State for these reasons. You have, since the beginning of the season, been kind of out on Houston, as have I. I'm very surprised the moment got bright for you here and you decided to run away and say that Arizona is worse than Houston. Uh, with that said, similar to what I said with New Mexico, Houston is a team that plays three small guards. Houston is a team whose center is six foot seven, 
most of the time, right? Juwan Roberts is their big. Uh, is he going to go right over the Michigan State bigs? I don't really think so. I know they're great on the boards. They're elite on the offensive rebounds. Michigan State would have to figure that out. But Balo is capable of going for 20 against whatever big Michigan State has. I don't think Houston is. I think it would come down to three small guards. Can Shed, Cryer, and Emmanuel Sharp outplay Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard and Jay Nakins? Probably, because they're really good. But you at least have a chance that's like mono mono my guys versus your guys. Who is guarding Malik Hall in this game for Houston? Mm. I, not Kasha Johnson. <laughs> not Kasha Johnson. Kasha Johnson terrifies me. I don't think there's you know, a four. You see where I'm coming from with Houston, though? Like, they stifle teams half-court defensively. Yeah. Uh, counterpoint? Do you, have you looked at Houston's wins in Big 12 play? I have not. So who, the top it, it, top top teams in the Big Twelve are Houston, Iowa State, Baylor, and Kansas. Those are the four. And Houston obviously can't play themselves. Uh, let's throw Texas Tech in there as fifth in the standings. So those those are the top five teams in the Big Twelve: Texas Tech, Houston, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas. How many wins does Houston have against that group? They beat Baylor, right? They didn't. They have zero. Houston hasn't beaten any of the top five teams in the Big 12. They lost to Iowa State. They lost to Kansas. That game was never close. We'll see. They got games coming up. But, like, was that game at Hilton? I know it was at Fog. It was at Hilton. Houston only scored 53 points in that game. Uh, okay. You, you got you got to me, Gregory. Give me Houston. <laughs> you, you're buying in? Yeah, especially because if Malik Hall is going to be our biggest weapon playing the way he is, Kashad Johnson could put a stop to all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I think is really in Arizona's favor of why that you'd rather see them in Houston is Tommy Lloyd versus Calvin Sampson in March. Yeah. hundred percent. But you're, you're going to lock in Houston with me. I like okay. to lock in Houston. Yes. New Mexico, then Houston. So now we're in the sweet 16. You're getting a four seed or a five seed. Here's the eight teams that you could pick Duke, Wisconsin, Illinois, Creighton, San Diego state, Dayton, Clemson, South Carolina. It'd be between South Carolina and Wisconsin for me. Uh, I think I'm going to go Wisconsin. I think that they're fraudulent. I think that they have, if they are the frauds that I think we think they are, and I say frauds as far as like they ain't the Big Ten contenders we thought they might be. Greg Gar's not the Big Ten coach of the year we thought he might be. Um, that team is not good enough to beat us three times, in my opinion. Completely agree, and they're floundering right now. Wisconsin is my pick. It's impossible to beat a team three times this season. Wisconsin's a, a projected four seed or five seed right now. Four seed right now, crazy. <laughs> no, they <laughs> were they were one of the top twos two weeks ago. It's insane, brother. That pick, whatever thirteen, it could it be thirteen in the first round, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's gonna move mountains. Wisconsin has covered the spread once in their last ten games. By the way. Insane. They, they're they so overvalued by everything right now. All right, so you, we're through New Mexico, Houston, and Wisconsin. Now you're in Elite Eight. You are one game away from a Final Four. In the Elite Eight, you can see either a two-seed or a three-seed. So pick your team between Marquette, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kansas, or Iowa State, Baylor, Alabama, or Auburn. You picked Auburn for both of the Purdue and Illinois exercises we did yesterday. Uh, are you picking Auburn again? Not Greg. I'm not picking Auburn. You know, you know who I'm picking, man. Tell me, you telling me what stands between my team and a Final Four is a polo with a compression sleeve underneath <laughs> and Tyler Kolick. I've seen that story before. I love Part Two. Give me Part Two. It should be good. I love a good sequel. What's your favorite sequel, Greg? Mine's Spider Man Two. I'll give you Marquette. I have no argument. Um, I do think so. It's an interesting toss up here. You're not picking North Carolina. They're loaded. You're not picking Kansas. Although Hunter Dickinson versus Tom Izzo with a final four on the line would be electric. Uh, I don't think you're picking Iowa state. Cause we both really believe in them. You could pick a Baylor rematch. You could pick a Tennessee rematch. Remember you played them at the beginning of the season. 
Mm-hmm. Also, Rick Barnes. You could apply the same shock of smart things to Rick Barnes. Uh, and Alabama and Auburn, I just – I wouldn't want to see either of those teams. Not that I think they're killers, but I think they're tough matchups for Michigan State. So I like the Marquette pick. I'll lock in Marquette. So there's there's your path to a Final Four, Michigan State fans. If, the, if you get the perfect draw, according to the sleepers, New Mexico, Houston, Wisconsin, Marquette. I just want to throw it out there. The one I feel least good about is the challenging Calvin Sampson. Cause I think, co- I, I truly think that coaching in March does like, there's a certain, we're not doing the whole like is Mr. March thing, but there are a certain handful of coaches across college basketball that just got a different type of bag when it comes to March. And there's some that don't, and it shows a lot of the time. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So we did this with Illinois at the end of it. If that was their draw, how far are you picking them? Like we we just made the best draw we could make for Michigan State. Do you pick them to the Final Four given that draw? Michigan State, yes. See, I as much as I think this is the best draw they could get on the eight line, I think I would pick Houston to beat them in, in the, the second, second round. round. But uh, I would never pick Wisconsin over them. I would never pick Marquette over them. So if they got through that, I would pick them to the final four. The The key thing to me is you got to get off the eight line. I don't want to see any of these one seeds if I'm Michigan State at all. Yeah, me either, which is why you should go check out our Michigan State Iowa preview where we talked a little bit about like how the rest of the season can unfold in order to increase that uh, uh, boost the resume and boost, you know, go up in seed line. Wow. What great cross promotion card. Okay. One big thing presented by Big B to end the show today. What's your one big thing? Um, My one big thing is I challenge everyone to not be held down by logos. Um, For lack of a better term, excuse my potty potty mouth. um, Some of them are referred to as brand whores. Uh, It doesn't matter uh, what logo is on things sometimes. It's about comfort. It's about accessibility. It's about price point. And it's about just wearing what you want to wear. All right. I, I, it kills me a little bit inside the moment I see people shaking ass and bending backwards for a Nike shirt that's overpriced and the same quality that you can get for a very lesser price, but it doesn't have a check on it. That irks me. I'm all about comfort, price, and quality. So if you can get that same quality and comfort at a lower price without a logo on it, I recommend doing that. Hmm. Appreciate that. Can I do two big things today? Yes. This is one big thing presented by my wife, Mal, who uh, has now asked that her and Meg in a group text share their one big things every day. Uh, I don't know if that's going to continue or not, but yesterday Mal's big thing was uh, she would like the national anthem to just be sung normally. We're doing too much with the national anthem. And I endorse that message. I kind of do too. Also wouldn't mind the national anthem just kind of changing. My (laughs) wife's one big thing is that uh, she considers herself like the voice of vegans out in the world. Um, So if there are any vegan people out there or people that are looking for uh, any type of food and or things like that without dairy products and things like that, she recommends sweet Lauren's cookie dough. It's like, it's like break and bake cookies but vegan. I've actually tried them. They're very, very good, by the way. Uh, but go try those. The, the sugar cookie is the best of them. Uh, but they're break and bake vegan cookies, and they slap. Hmm. I don't hate that. Uh, okay. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Mal. My final one big thing is uh, American Idol is back. Just want to go on record. Love American Idol, as Carter knows very well from many of our road trips. I just want to watch American Idol videos in the car. Uh, Luke Bryan, Neckbeard, still rocking. Cart, hold on to your seat. This is an important moment and a pivotal moment in our friendship where things change. Luke Bryan had a legacy moment last night. Oh, God, here we go. He had a legacy moment last night. I'm going to send you the video, and you're going to see. He had a legacy moment, my friend. You might have to apologize to him, truly, literally. No, thank what, you. What if I told you there's a new Fritzy, and this time the other two judges were out on him, sent him packing, and Luke Bryan was so upset. He stood up, turned to the crew and said, crew, they're crazy, aren't they? And the crew stood up out of their seats and everybody gave him a thumbs up. And he ran down the hallway and dragged my man's back in and begged Lionel Richie to change his vote to save Fritzy's chances in this competition. I stand with Luke Bryan. All right. I might need that clip because you know of my my feelings towards Bryan. I think he just lets talent walk out of the door all the time. 
Uh, and honestly, you calling yourself the American Idol aficionado of sleepers, it's in contention because the title's in my in my court right now. I called the winner last year. You did call Tongi, uh, who I still think is extremely overrated. Uh, Tongi is just big for the record. Um, Zach Edesque. Uh, just kidding. Sorry. God, I made it so close to a full episode of being nice. Oh, Sorry, that's, on, that's on me. That's on me. I went the whole Patino segment without even criticizing him. Card, if I could get through that, how can I not tongue my way out of here? That's I'll send you me. the clip. Uh, American Idol, though. Be prepared for segments. Have a great night, everybody. We'll be back on Wednesday.